0: Lord Jesus, that we might see it in what you've done for us. By who you are, we love you because you've loved us first. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Thanks, team. We're in the book of Mark, and if you have your Bibles and want to turn along, we're almost done. We're at the very end of Mark. We'll have just this week and next week, and we'll finish this gospel, if I asked any Christian, hey, just about, and what do you think the main event, the most significant event of all of time has been, right up there at the top would be what? The death of Jesus for the sins of the world, right? Every Christian that I know knows the story. You've probably heard it over and over and over. And because we've heard and we go through and we, we talk about it, it, it is the culmination of every gospel account. In fact, most of the time they slow down. Things like John, where you have all of Jesus' life in the first half and the crucifixion week, the last half of the whole gospel. You have all of the Old Testament pointing forward to he's coming. You've got everything. It's this amazing account, the sacrifice of Jesus for us. And we know it so well that it could become a little bit like dull history. May it never be, of course, but there's not much suspense in it. You can probably walk it through with me right now, right? Jesus is mistreated. He's unjustly crucified. He died a horrible death for us. Praise Jesus. Let's go home. You got it, right? I got it. I get it. That's what it's about. And, and we need to, I think today, we're going to stop. This is this is a central event for, for God's plan forever. We read it in Acts chapter 4. This all happened by the plan and preparation of God. The things that we're going to look at this morning. My favorite stories have a hero. I don't know about yours. I, I love it. I love... And the thing I like about, about stories, about things that capture my attention, is usually there's something called dramatic irony. I don't know if you know dramatic irony. It means you know something that other people in the story don't know. So like the Count of Monte Cristo, I love that story. Alexander, do you know the guy gets unjustly sent to to this island prison and he breaks out and he gets super rich and then he comes back and nobody knows who he is. He's the Count of Monte Cristo, but really he's the kid they sent away. So delicious, so cool. Gets his revenge. Or, Or Snow White, you know, maybe more like in the Disney years. Snow White and she's sitting there and this sweet little old lady comes up to give her an apple. You know it's the evil queen. Don't do it, Snow White. Don't eat the apple. You know, right? She doesn't know. And I've done that before with you, and you should do it sometime. Put yourself in the shoes of every character who's going through. These are real people. It's not a story. It's reality. That you know something they don't know. Jesus Christ is the king of kings. As they begin, Pilate and the crowd and Judas. To do all these things it's remarkable but we've done it before and you can find it on our website we did it when we did matthew go back and look it was in 2017, something like that what i want to do today is even more remarkable i want you and i to put ourselves in the shoes of jesus i hesitate to do that because you're not jesus but let us consider together that he's fully human He's not just sort of God in a human form, so he knows everything and he goes through it, he just knows and you know so so really he's just sort of acting out of play because he's God and he's going back up to heaven and he knows it. I want you to think this is the human being who prayed tears of blood about what was coming. How did he know what was coming? I think he knew his Bible. I think he trusted his God, his father he's fully God too, don't get me wrong, don't hear it all but he's, not. but he's 100% human and I want you and I as humans to put ourselves in his shoes and consider what was going on with Jesus today, stay with him, stay looking at this to the eyes of Jesus, Jesus who is God but who is man and he knows what's going on and, and, and I know that he knows what's going on because the night before, that's the last chapter of Mark, he told everybody I am the Messiah, the Son of God I know I am They took that as blasphemy, right? They have him in chains. They've done the show trial. To him, what's going on isn't ignorant irony. To him, what's going on is mockery. So I want you to hear the mockery today. What we're talking about today is mockery. And right and true that he went through, and I want you to consider why from the Bible and our mockery of the king and and of his response, because this is our story. It's the story of our hope. It's our hero, Jesus, and and, and quite a bit of the text we get to look at. There's lots going on, and this is the day Jesus dies. And we're going to consider it in two parts, but but in your outline you'll see I've broken up a little bit more. But but two parts, because I want to tell you this, and, and hear it, notice it. This is the entire account of Jesus' death on earth the day he dies, from when he starts the day to when he dies. In Mark's account, he says two phrases, and only two. He only says two things. So we're going to break today around these two things and what he's getting at with the two things Jesus said. This is our Savior. You want to know, right? What did he say? I know some of you are looking at your text right now. Where is it? Where is it? Where's the red letters? And and then I want you to see how he was treated the mockery that's built into the story, and then see your salvation. Because you and I need to know, Jesus is the king of the Jews, and not only that, he's the king of kings. He's the king of heaven. He's the first and the last, and we know it. So look at how it's treated. First, mockery endured. And it starts, there's it's every single thing you can think of about how he should be treated versus what happens. Right? First, this mockery of justice. That's Jesus with Pilate, but let's pick it up. at 13 verse 1, the word of God. As soon as it was morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. Okay, We know, we pick up the story, but the scene comes up and he's been betrayed by Judas. He's had this unjust trial at night totally not what they're supposed to do they've had false witnesses accuse jesus they couldn't even agree every disciple has scattered remember the scene even we think it's marked they're left holding his clothes and the guy runs away naked fleeing that was last week so so this morning dawns and it starts with jesus bound the king is in chains He's dragged and delivered to pilate they had to do this, right? They had they couldn't themselves kill Jesus. They didn't have the authority. So they had to go to the governor. This is Pilate. He has the authority to actually kill Jesus. He's like a judge. Judge with the power of life and death. And, and it's interesting. Mark doesn't do what the other gospel accounts do. Right? They had some long interaction with, with, with Pilate and what his thoughts were and what his wife's dreams were and what he said, and you can go see that in other places. But stay with Mark with me. Because Jesus is in center the treatment. This question is important. It draws out the first of Jesus' two phrases. Look what Pilate says Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, You have said so. From your lips, says Jesus. So this whole time Jesus is functioning, Jesus is, he knows it, he is the king, not only of the Jews, but of all humankind. He's the king. And this is how they're going to treat who they call the king. You have called me the king. Let's look at your actions toward me. So then what goes on is a travesty, a mockery, a parody of what justice should be, right, towards Jesus. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer. So the Pilate was amazed. He's amazed. He's astonished. All these charges. And he's not trying to argue his way out. He's just listening to them make false accusations. We know they're false. We've been told they're false by Mark. Jesus knows they're false. And and, and the judge holds Jesus' fate in his hand. So he thinks. He's the judge that matters. And, And even here's the thing. That judge knows this is false. Now at the feast, he used to release to them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who'd committed murder in the insurrection, there's a man called Barabbas. Okay, so we have Jesus, falsely accused of many things, not convicted. We're going to see in a second. Pilate knows it's about envy. And then we've got this convicted criminal. And in church history, if you follow Origen or some of the commentators, think the man's first name was Jesus. So you've got Jesus A and Jesus B. And and you're supposed to see it, right? Jesus, king of the Jews, or Jesus, criminal. Justice would say, release the the guy who's innocent. And Pilate would release the prisoner for the feast. There's a celebration of clemency. And, And so the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? Note the phrase. It wasn't said in jest. This man, the king of the Jews, should I release him? Uh, This is the judge. He's supposed to dispense fair authority. Do you want to release the king or, or release the criminal? He knows they're not telling the truth. Look, for he perceived, verse 10, it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered Jesus up. But the chief priest, stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead and, and, and Pilate said to them what shall I do with the man you call king of the Jews what should I do with Jesus then so the criminal or the king why, <laughs> why did they get a choice they cried out again crucify him and, and Pilate said to them why what evil has he done but they shouted all the more crucify him It, it's again we're staying not with what Pilate's thinking or what the crowd's thinking or we're trying to save Jesus and so we're standing with Jesus as he listens to the crowd as he listens to the judge as he hears and the judge knows he's the, the king there's nothing wrong about him and all of them shouting crucify him I drop it and go but he doesn't say a single word. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. So this is a mockery of justice, right? Before the authority, and the authority just listens to the mob, and the king receives the mockery of justice, a nod to whatever the crowd wants, not whether the charges are true, not whether he's done a a single thing Wrong, and he hasn't. He's cured the sick, and he's raised the dead, and he's the king. And what should we do, Pilate asks. Jesus watching. Crucify him. There's a mockery, right? The judge's verdict is not guilty, and Jesus is given over to be crucified. And he doesn't answer to us, this Jesus. He isn't rescued by us. He's mocked. No justice. This is the event of the world. Here's the next thing. The mockery continues. It's not done. We continue down. Because look at how it how it's presented by Mark again. And, and the soldiers led him away inside the palace. That is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. So now it's, it's, people don't think about this much. All the soldiers come and gather. Like, like gather before Jesus. So there's Jesus and he's bound there. And, and, and there's the battalion. And, and, and Jesus is there and he's ripped up now because they've scourged him and Mark doesn't focus on he doesn't focus on the terrible back that's rent and all the whipping and all the things that they would he, he focuses. okay now the king comes before the army they clothed him in front of this battalion they clothed him in a purple cloak they Twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on him, and they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! They were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. What? A mockery of honor, right? It's okay to see exactly that is what you're meant to see by Mark. The king stands, and, and 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 the soldiers there to honor their king and to bow down before him, and they do it. They bow down in homage to Jesus. It's all fake, fake. They crown of thorns and, and and robe around his torn back. Oh, King of the Jews, the horror! Because he is the King of the Jews, and he's watching. He's a human being. When they would mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and they put on his own clothes and they led him out to crucify him. Total mockery. How much could you take before you burned in anger and frustration and not a word from Jesus? They compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, country bumpkin, the father of Alexander and Rufus, a real person, to carry his cross, and and they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for each of them to decide what each should take. So, so now he's on the cross. And they're still mocking they're, they're arguing over his clothes. It's not this moment of transfigured amazement of, whoa, Jesus is on the cross. It's like, yeah, okay, we did it. Hey, what, what did he have good? Uh, we need to figure it out and rip it apart and let, let's divide it up. He didn't. They cast lots. Nails through his hands and feet. Agony to breathe. Mark doesn't dwell on it. Jesus is silent. He's receiving the mockery in silence and and kill him and be done with it, right? But it's not done. Mockery of justice. Mockery of honor. And and there's more, right? Mockery of absolution. What do I mean? Keep going. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read the truth the king of the Jews he's the king and there's no charge it's resounded through this account Pilate asks, Pilate proclaims the soldiers pay homage, The, the sign announces he is the king and he's mocked with the condemned and so with him they crucified two robbers one on his right, one on his left and now more people get to come Jesus watching now still he's still aware so those who passed by normal people derided him wagging their heads and saying ah, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days save yourself and come down from the cross you have no power so also verse 31 the chief priests with the scribes, mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He can't save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross so we may see and believe those who were crucified with him also reviled him. So these final statements, right, they kind of sum it all up. He's on the cross. He's dying. He's still being mocked. Oh, you said you would do this, but look at you now. And the priests, The one who mediates God to the people. Did you hear what they're saying? Not saying, meet your maker. They're saying, oh, yeah, you saved other people from their very mouths. You cured the sick. You healed the the leper. You gave the blind sight. Yeah, you did. You can't save yourself die. What terrible mockery. The one who's healed thousands, he's saved so many, and not a word of mercy, not a word of absolution, not a word of comfort, just mockery. So the focus of Mark, right, is okay to say. The focus of this account and other accounts are are not exactly the same of the focus, right? They're all true. But the focus is on the mockery that Jesus is taking in It's not on the the brutality per se. It's not on the blood per se. It's on Jesus knowing he's being mocked. All the way through, brutally, totally, unjustly, frustratingly. We know it because we know with him that he's innocent and kind and loving and saving. And he's the king. So you say that I'm the king of the Jews. This is how you treat me. And yet you killed me. I just think that you should know. I mean, you should hear it, right? Jesus is really long suffering, and this is where we kind of flip the switch. Yeah, yeah, he did it, so I know he is, and, and he's kind of God, so he's got he's got this handled. No problem. No wait. There's something amazing going on here. That's deep. It's with the second thing he First thing he says, we understand because he's setting up and getting. So, so you say I'm the king. So let's see how you treat the king. And and now Jesus has seen and watched how they treat the king. We all know it's not news to you that they did this. This might be how Jesus endures it. What does victory look like for us in Christ as Jesus goes? And he buys our freedom. And he buys our lives. And he he does it. What does it look like? Look. And when the sixth hour had come, verse 33, there was darkness over the whole land. Until the ninth hour. These three hours of darkness. And in the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani. Which means... My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay, darkness over the earth, three hours, suffering, pain. Jesus Christ mocked repeatedly and thoroughly and then suffers. And then this statement, this very specific cry. This is the only cry Mark gives of what Jesus says. He he says this is what Jesus said. He said this, and then he translates it in case you don't get it. They don't understand it, right? Right? 35. Then some of the bystanders hearing it, they said, Behold, he's calling Elijah. Did he say Elijah or Eloi? Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. That's the account. So uh, so, so it, it ends in the midst of their misunderstanding. They, they think he's calling for Elijah and he dies. What, what was that cry? What, what did it mean? He suffered so long in silence he said not a word and then this cry. What was it? Do we know? Exactly? I think we do. A lot of us know Psalm 23. You guys know Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. It's a fantastic psalm, Psalm 23. The one before it. The one before it starts, and this is how they identified psalms in the day, right? If I wanted to tell you what a, what a portion of the scriptures were, I'd start quoting it to you. There's a psalm, Psalm 22, the psalm of David. And it starts like this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or or actually, if I was going to do it in Aramaic. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. What's that? It's the words he said. Right? Oh, so, 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 so listen. Jesus, his last word from the cross in Mark, it's only the second time he's spoken all day on the event of the universe that's going to happen. Everything in the world's pointed to this. And he says... Psalm 22, as he dies. I mean, people make a big deal. My God, my God, why you forsaking me? That Jesus is now, now split from God, and God has poured out wrath on him, and, and that's all okay. Fantastic. Not fantastic. Amazing. So, 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 but, but I think you should hear Jesus speaking and realize Jesus Christ, the human being, has done through all of these things, and the reason why he's done it as he now dies, he says, Psalm 22. And I would bet a lot of money, you have no idea what Psalm 22 actually says. We make up what Eloi, Eloi, Lami, Sabachthan, he actually means. But I think Jesus says to you, he says, hey, Psalm 20. So here's my thing. There's no Seahawks game today. Everybody here needs to go home and read Psalm 22. Jesus Christ died for you. And as he died, he yelled at you for all the world to hear. Psalm 22. We'll look at it for just a second right now. But but I'm not going to go do an exposition of Psalm 22. but, But I think he's not just giving you the phrase. Because he knows the scriptures. He did this because of the Bible. The Lord Jesus, he knew the scriptures cold. He is the word. And he says these things. So, so go with me for a minute to understand. To understand. God, why have you forsaken me? And he uses the words of David. Right? David wrote the psalm, but he wrote it prophetically. We know it's prophetically. How do I know? Let's just look at it for just a second. He says, God, why have you forsaken me? In Psalm 22.1. If you have your Bibles flip back over, you can see the whole thing. I'm not going to put the whole thing up. That's the line. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from my words of groaning? It's a cry of anguish which Jesus has been in anguish. So David's saying, God, we've forsaken me because I hear no answer. So we think Jesus is experiencing some sadness from God, but I think he's pointing to the whole psalm. He says, God, Father, you are holy and enthroned. You are the rescue and deliver, but but then he says, he says uh, in verse 6, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusted in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights. Whoa. Jesus treasuring scripture in his heart and says this, I see it, I see it. I'm letting you know this is happening now. This is the event. I know the game. I know what's happening. It is this. All who see me mock me. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Yeah. Yeah. Who's going to deliver Jesus It's not a statement of, oh, no, I'm not going to get delivered. It's who's going to deliver Jesus. God raises Jesus from the dead. He is God. Death couldn't hold him. Exactly this. And then, and then I trust you, Lord. I, I, I trust in your plan. No one else helps. And he says stuff like this. I'm, I'm poured out like water, verse 14. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My, my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. That is what is happening, Jesus. This is my heart. This is going on. I'm telling you. I'm yelling. I can't hardly breathe. I can't say a word. Except to cry out to you, the first line of the psalm, go look at what Jesus is thinking, at what he's experiencing. It's there. It's totally there. Dogs encompass me, he says. That's who these people are. They're dogs. They pierced my hands and my feet. In fact, it does it. Dogs encompass me, accompany evildoers, encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count on my bones. This is the crucifixion. They divide my garments among them. For my clothing they cast off. This is the crucifixion. This was written hundreds of years before Jesus came. And Jesus, who knows the scripture, says, I got it. I'm standing on the promises of God. This whole account with Jesus Christ the human has... Stood through and not said a word, as been. How could he do it? He did it because of the promise of God. Why? He sees it in this text. The word. They did this exactly. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. You, my help, come quickly. Deliver my soul from the sword. He goes. He goes through this right. I just want you to go to the end now. I want you to go to the end. Because as Jesus cries this out, I believe that he's saying the whole thing, which means it's not just the beginning, and it's not just the experience which he experienced. It's the end which he trusts. What does he say to you and me on the cross? All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nation shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nation. You guys said it, Jesus would say to them. You said I was the king. And let me tell you, kingship belongs to who? The Lord. You can't take it away from him. He rules over the nations. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. That what? That he has done it. Whoa. Can I summarize? Paul 22, Psalm 22. Jesus yells, and it, it, it's not a cry of defeat alone. It is a cry of anguish, for sure. But it is also a cry of victory. Your mockery means nothing. This has been planned all along. It's yelled for whoever will hear. God is a God of rescue, and I will rise. You ask, why doesn't Mark record, it is finished? My favorite word that Jesus says from the cross because he did say it. It's done, and he has done it. (laughs) All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. Who are you? You are further away than they thought the ends of the earth were at the time that this happened. We're a glimmer in God's eye. And here we are this morning. What did we do? We sang, How Great Thou Art, we sing of the glory of Jesus, and then and, and this is true, and Jesus on the cross said this is coming, and it's here. The ends of the earth say, Jesus is Lord. Oh. This is the event of our life. Though it happened so long ago, we come into this story with this Jesus who stood and was mocked. And he stood it, and, in its, and as he died, he says, it's done. And this will happen. And victory is his. It's finished. I, I want you to see just one more thing that happens as it closes, and it, it, it's important to figure out as you go through, because he says in verse 38, as he says this and as he dies, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Other gospel accounts record more stuff, but he just wants you to know this. Mark does. The temple is torn into the holy God that cannot be approached, that must be kept apart, is now available, is unleashed. The holiness of God is, is is cast out among people who deserve it not because of what Jesus Christ has done. You and I no longer profane, but by trusting Jesus, now holy. This this is super important. The centurion facing him saw that, that, that he breathed his last. He said, truly, this man was the son of God. Amen. He was and he is. And just to finish the scene, as it comes down, there's, there's seemingly unimportant people that this is what they witness and will testify to these women in the society, not important. There are women looking on from a distance among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and the younger and, of Joseph and Salome. When, when he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. have funny way to end. The scene comes down. Yeah. See, the littles and the nobodies, the people who aren't valued, the people who are are, are not exalted in the society, those people see this amazing thing. They're part of the story. They testify to the victory. The main event happened this morning. In our text. Mockery given and received. And borne through. By the word of God. Treasured by Christ. Not by us. And then he declares. Victory. He's been holding on to Psalm 22. And so today as we think about Jesus. And you know the story so well. I I beg of you. Take a few minutes later today. Tomorrow. This week. Go through Psalm 22. Think about your Savior. Think about what he knew when he was a a boy studying the Scriptures. As he starts to understand the Scriptures to say, it's talking about me. As he understands and we understand, he's not just man, but he's God. And he has done it all for you and me. By his receiving this mockery, not by my receiving it, I gave it. You are forgiven. This is our hope. This is our life. Would you bow me in prayer? Father, thank you for this account again that we get to look at.